this isn't work, you know? You no know, one's paying me to do this, so if I'm... the ones, we smoke the ones. Not tonight, but... Yeah, if I'm bummed out, it's be, you know, that would be unfortunate. Like, fuck, I had to go do a podcast with Garrett. Damn it. Like, <laughs> Hang on, that's bureaucratic. Foley. Some little Foley for us. Yeah, yeah. Foley. Now they know we're Foley. hanging out for real. Mick Foley, sorry. Mick Foley, <laughs> yeah. I always think of uh, Mick Foley when I hear Foley. <laughs> levels looking um, good. Yeah, so. I think the levels, yeah, I think we're rocking right. here. Garrett, we did it. We're What's back. happening, John? Yeah. You're back. <laughs> you know, someone got mad at me for not, like, introducing them on the show and, like, having, he was like, that's it? That was just like, and we're back, and here we go. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, you know. It's loose. It's there's loose. a theme song, and there's a fade out, and then oh, it yeah. just sort of has like a little thing, you know? He said, oh, I'll just like yeah. come into my head, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just, but the response to, oh, yeah, there is a theme to this show. <laughs> like, and we're in it. We just heard it. So now we're back, though. This is, you're the you're third time on the show. Third time's a charm. Third time is a charm. What's great, though, is I edit now. Yeah. Yeah, so Editing's it's exciting. Good. Yeah, I think. It makes us sound smarter. <laughs> it generally. makes us sound way smarter. And we and I feel like we get to relax knowing that, you know, I got this on the back Yeah, end. we have a safety net. In post, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm the backstop. Yeah, yeah see, <laughs> we we can talk O's right now. Because, there you go. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we can start with that. <laughs> Actually, we can start with anything, but I do want to check because it's, like the O's watch currently. Uh, it's the middle of the eighth. Means Baltimore is about to come up to bat. Uh, four to two. They're beating Tampa right now. That's good. It's very exciting. That's good. They lost with last two, last three, I think. They lost, yes. Yeah, three in a row, two to Atlanta, one last night to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, well, not last night to the listeners because this would have been weeks ago. But right now they're looking good. I hope that's still the case. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Was the first tough part of the schedule that they've really had? It was, you know, yeah. it was easy. And I mean, yeah, you know, you've got to beat up on the <laughs> bad teams, but regardless, like they got off to a good right. start, and they'll just see what they're made of. I like that though, because like even those bad teams have baseball players that are getting paid like exorbitant uh, amounts absolutely. of money. They're all trying very hard. Yeah, they're all trying so hard. So you're like, oh yeah, they were playing the fake teams. Yeah. Here come the real guys. Yeah. You know. Which is like, I haven't followed baseball like for years. I started following this year because last year I saw that they got the number one pick for Jackson Holiday. Yeah. And that just made me go, oh, number one pick. And I didn't know much about baseball back then. So I didn't realize okay. that when you got a draft pick that they stayed in the minor league system for a few years. Yeah, generally in baseball, yeah. Because yeah. in basketball, if you're like the number one pick of the draft, you're usually going to be like, the new starting star of the team, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're, totally. <laughs> it's like you immediately impact, you immediately are like expected to put up like 15, 20 points a game kind of thing. But with baseball, but anyway, the fact that they got him as a number one pick and then apparently this was part of a big plan that they've gotten a lot of top picks over the last few years, including like Adley and all this stuff. But anyway, I was like, huh? Something's going on in Baltimore, you know? And it started to be like, I should maybe pay attention to the Orioles. And so started watching this season, and woo, <laughs> they're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a good start, know. and I feel like, you know, they've been bad for a couple of years. And it's good to see, I think, with the overhaul in the front office and just having, like, better analytics and better player analysis, better drafting, better development, all that kind of stuff, you mm -hmm. know? You know, because... 
uh, like you were saying in uh, the NBA and the NFL, the players that get drafted in the top are generally going to be starters immediately, or at least yeah. have some kind of role. Like uh, versus they, in they baseball. are like yeah. ha- contributing to like the actual exactly. main roster. You know? Yeah, totally. Versus in in a baseball, there's just still like the learning curve and the and the quality of the competition just gets so much higher <laughs> yeah. that there's just no chance. You know, I mean, uh-huh. even you know, I mean, there's some. I mean, the exceptions would be like. Uh, you know, like like college college hitters and pitchers that are being drafted older. You know, because you have right. a little bit more of an established record. Versus most of the time, the top picks are typically high schoolers in the MLB. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. High school and just yeah. Yeah. And just, and, you know, and then depending on you know as far as international signings, then you have players that are signed. You know, as young as I think you know I think fourteen or fifteen can be signed <sighs> to contracts crazy. where like they you know yeah. they they stay there. In their country, and the teams have like developmental leagues, and right. you know slowly bring them up, <laughs> and then as they get older, you know bring them to the minors and all that kind of stuff. So, sure. yeah, I think that's funny too when teams, whether it's the NBA or I'm sure this happens in the MLB too, where you know you leverage future draft picks to like trade, right? But a lot of the times, the future draft picks are like three, four, or five years away. Yeah, you're basically leveraging your future on like people who are currently in middle school. You oh know? yeah, more, yeah, more <laughs> like they're they're yeah. children, and like maybe one of those children becomes an excellent baseball player or basketball player, <laughs> and then maybe they're eligible for a draft in 2027, and then like they happen to be like someone, you know. And of course, the way like athletic systems works, there will be someone there. It's just funny to think like when you trade stuff like that in 2023, that pick is technically like someone who's like 12. That you're waiting on to like could, yeah, grow be, up yeah. and become an it's athlete. Crazy. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I was kicking Tampa Bay's ass. We'll see if that continues. Hopefully, but um, I don't know. I was I actually said this the other day because I was doing another show and I've tried to listen to like Orioles podcasts and I don't really think there's. I haven't found a good one yet. There's one that's very statty. It's one that's yeah. just like lots of like, oh, and he's doing this with this excellent ERA of blah, blah, blah. And like, it's just, it's nice it's daily. So you sort of get this update of like how the Orioles did and stuff like yeah. that. But it's not like, I just want a, a show that's like, hell yeah, Orioles fucking kick ass, man. Like, <laughs> sweet. Just want to hang out, you know, talk about like Ryan Mountcastle and barbecue and i don't know whatever the dong bong you know (laughs) you know all the fun things yeah exactly you know stats are for nerds yeah you know baseball's about home runs and kicking ass and hanging out you know drinking overpriced um well actually this i remind chewing sunflowers (laughs) (laughs) and the rest of how that song goes it's like one two (laughs) three strikes you're out anyway so uh, speaking of beers, though, it's, I think, funny because your friend left you a couple IPAs and you're like, nah, yeah, they'll still be there when you get back. Uh, <laughs> but here we are drinking these delicious Guinness lime and salt um, concoctions that are brewed right here in Baltimore. Yeah, it's kind of like if you got sequence on Wish. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's it's tolerable, but it's sure. I got this um, because a friend of mine told me he was like, I like them; they're pretty good. And because I had passed them up a previous time, and then I saw them again, and I didn't know how, what to pick, and I picked this. And I would yeah. say that I've made. I've never a, seen these before, but yeah, it's okay. A bad choice, yeah. Like. I like the way that IPAs taste. I just feel terrible from drinking them, even if I only drink like one or two. It uh, just, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, so, 
Yeah. Just got to stick with the lighter stuff. And lighter stuff. Is that even about the quantity? I guess it's just like the type of grains or like the the sugar in it or something. I don't know. It just gives me like a weird hangover and like terrible headaches, even if I don't drink, you know, mm-hmm. with just a few of them, like even in uh, reasonable quantities. It's a weird, weird side effect of getting older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also like, you know, I'll go to Joe's and look at the taps and sometimes I'll be like, I'll see a name and I'll be like, oh, that looks good. And then you see it's like 9%. I'd be like, oh, that's an end of the show beer, not a yeah, not like a super six stanky o'clock. IPAs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes in a chalice, like you don't even get it in a pint glass. It has yeah. to come in like a little fucking goblet for you to just be like, <laughs> yeah, it's a small pour, you know, it's like, like a nine yeah. ounce pour or something. Like I don't know, is, is that like psychological? Do you think they use those to kind of be like, all right, you know, you're only getting one of these, right, or yeah. something like, or if good you good luck for, on your journey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good sir, <laughs> I bid you something funny and relevant to this conversation. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so no, I tend not to drink the high percentage IPAs up at the top of the night because then I'll probably just start yelling at the bands mid set. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just like ah, you know that freaking Nirvana wrote that one, don't you? And yeah. then, and then, who am I? I look foolish. That's not a way to be. <laughs> ah, so anyway, Garrett, how you doing, John. man? <laughs> Good to see you. Welcome I, back. I appreciate you having me. Welcome back. Yes, <laughs> thank you. You were here recently as well. Exactly. Yeah, been here I, a few times. Back again. Yeah. Um, what's funny is I had been here before. Yeah. Um, I had seen this place years ago. Yeah. So because uh, for the listeners, Garrett. Uh, and the watermelon room have actually uh, changed location. Um, how long were you in the old space? Um, I was in Hamden for, I guess, about five and a half years total. Okay. Little, yeah. yeah, five and a half, yeah. I also like you called it, I know it's Hamden, but I also like, it's so far down the hill. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, like, yeah. I don't like, think of the, know, the mills south of Hamden. Like, as Hamden in the same I sense. was always in debate about that, you know, because Baltimore, yeah. you know, going back to our, our pre-roll conversation <laughs> of, of, you know, weird, oh, weird yeah, small neighborhood yeah. names and, and like divisions in Baltimore of like, I wasn't sure where that was. I was like, is that Remington? Because I feel like the people that I knew who lived in Remington were like, oh no, that's Hamden. But then the Hamden people were like, I guess it's Remington. I don't know. Right. It's like the weird little like cut of Falls Road. Yeah, or like Clipper Mill. Some people, is yeah, down further. But if you say that, they might also think it's that Mills area too yeah. on that side. So it just Falls and Chestnut Mill One. Yeah, Cosima Mill One. Throw out some percent, landmarks. Percent. Yeah. yeah, shout out, shout out Mill One. No, that's cool. So because I, you know. Over the years, I don't remember the first time I went to see the Watermelon Room. I want to guess it was like 2017 or 18, you know, so somewhere in that time frame. But seeing how it came together over the time period there, you know. Oh, yeah. Hanging baffles, turning uh, one room into like a vocal booth, like routing lines like up through the pipes and stuff like that. And and just kind of how awesome that whole space like it came together and you yeah. you also lived there too right yeah yeah, so. yeah it was uh yeah at the end of the time that I was there I was living upstairs and it, and it was just the studio downstairs and there was my space plus uh like two other studio spaces that were down there too so it was nice you know it was a slow process kind of like growing into and uh expanding there and slowly getting more space and you know just you know having the a runway to be able to slowly spread out and not have to Did you take start on. with one room Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. You- it was all just one room, about 400 square feet, 
And fortunately, it had 10 foot ceilings, which really helped as far as tracking in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was. Which room was the, the middle one, the control room? Yeah, the control room was Your just the one room. room. Yeah. yeah. And that was like everything, like everything that I owned, the studio it was like, yeah. 80, you know, it was like 80% studio, 20% bedroom. <laughs> but uh, the way it was set up, it was like a, a big shelf, kind of like a partition so that. You didn't see, like, where the bed was. It was pretty well covered, and a lot of people were like, oh, surprised, like, you know, to, to find oh, out that I actually I did I live in I think I remember that here. setup, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so that, it was only like that for the first year, and then, you know, but I would also, you know, if I was doing, like, larger sessions in there, I would just, like, take the bed apart and use, like, the mattress and the box string as, like, acoustic <laughs> treatment just to, like, eat up some sound or just take yeah. it out of the room or whatever and just, like, you know, completely disassemble my life <laughs> for the right. sake of being able to record yeah. in there for a few days <laughs> if I had to. Sure. You know, and literally, like, sleep on on the couch, out in the lounge, so that I could leave everything set up yeah, in the room just right. so that it was, you know, it was everything. That's so cool. fortunately, that was only like a year and worked out pretty well. And then I was able to get the additional space and make that the primary tracking room and then, you know, get uh, more space after that. So right. it worked out well and it was nice to be able to like have something that I could slowly grow into mm -hmm. that wasn't like crazy expensive. And then um, just as I feel like I kind of like peaked there was when I found out the building was gonna was uh, getting sold right. last year. And it was tough because it's like, once you kind of hit that peak, it's like, you know, a part of you is like, oh, well, like, it would be nice to kind of ride out this peak for a little while and like enjoy enjoy what I've done yeah, yeah. in the last couple of years of like, you know, <laughs> living and growing and- touches. Yeah. Is awesome. Survive, you know, surviving COVID and everything yeah. else and like not losing yeah, my mind. Yeah, you were hosting jams there just about Yeah, like doing that, yeah, like, hosting, yeah, like, like doing jam of, stuff. And, like, you know, all the, all the recording work and all that. Yeah, like know, all the, like yeah, like actual, actual work and like, yeah. It was fun. We had so. some good open houses, uh, a few there at the end. You were there at a couple. Right. And um, yeah, just an, unfortunately the building was, it was supposed to be sold to Hopkins. I'm not exactly sure right. what's happened. Like it seemed like a pretty done deal because they had been kicking around it for a while. Right, but I I've remember heard, you kind like, of saying there was rumblings. Word, yeah, like word on the street from, because it's like, you know, I don't have any interest in it at this point. I'm not going back. Sure. I'm glad that I would, it's like, even though it was a very difficult transition, I'm super happy to be where I'm at now. And I, I would never in a million years try to go back to that space because it's just, you know, I made an upgrade. And, you know, just based on the difficulties with the landlord of just getting any kind of support for stuff, it was just kind of, you know, it was great for what it was, but I had kind of like maxed out there, kind of peaked sure, there. Sure, yeah. And it was a, there was pros, but there was also some cons that yeah. maybe you're happy to have moved forward Yeah, absolutely. Forward and from. just, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it wasn't just going to, you know, it wasn't going to be any different. I had I had kind of reached the upside there. And yeah. so um, it would have been nice to be able to ride that out for a little bit longer. But regardless, it's like I'm glad that it was a good mm -hmm. impetus for change. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just so figuring out how, how to. how much notice did you ultimately get? I mean, I didn't, officially it was only like three months, but I knew about six months out that it was like most likely going to happen. Gotcha. So I had some advance notice. It wasn't like, I certainly wasn't blindsided by it. You know, I know I've certainly heard and read enough other stories from people of, you know, people getting completely screwed right. on spaces and just, you know, just getting their whole lives destroyed. So I was very grateful to, to essentially have six months of knowing like, hey, this is probably going to happen. I'm going to have to figure something out and just, you know. Work hard, cross your fingers, see what happens. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I remember back in the day, a group of friends, you might know this story as well, but a group of friends was basically trying to get a bank loan to find like a big space to get like for t-shirt printing and rehearsal space. And it was like, it was going to be, you know, like yeah, the Shangri-La yeah. of like Baltimore art stuff. Yeah. Like, and yeah, just they battled with the banks. Like they, you know, they got all their paperwork together. They did their presentations and stuff. They just couldn't get the loans or whatever they were requiring to, and all the spaces they were looking at needed renovation and stuff. So they just couldn't 
piece it together. So um, yeah, it's hard. Exactly. It's yeah. Super hard. So did you start looking around at that like kind of when you got that? hint that it was like, all right, I got six months. Or yeah. like maybe you didn't even know you had six months. You just had this idea that it was about to go No, down. I did because they had been trying to sell the building since basically like right before uh, COVID time started. Um, they had been kind of trying to sell it, but the asking price was very high. And um, I feel like most of the people coming through, you know, weren't prepared to pay that cost for the building and deal with all the renovation and stuff. Right. It was the building was built in 1875. Um, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It was built in 1875. It was part of the mill complex, which I think we've ranted on before. We're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about, like, the, the toll <laughs> on Falls Mills, Road. Mills. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, yeah. It was so. built in 1875 and was and was built just for uh, storage. Okay. So the building, it was, you know, it was fairly bare bones as far as what was done originally and had not been renovated to any great deal outside of just the stuff that was there with some basic, you know, electric drywall, and it was all fairly DIY. So it was great for what it was, and I'm sad to see it go just because even before I was there, you know, like they used to do punk shows down there. Oh, cool. Um, in the back corner of the first floor, there used to be like a, a small half pipe and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Back before, like, all the rooms were chopped up into, like, studios and workspaces and uh -huh. stuff, that first floor, like, you know, 5,000 square feet or something was just open. So there was all kinds of crazy stuff in there, and I can right. only imagine, you know, just over the last, you know, yeah, the last 20 or 25 years, but also just like, geez, over the last 150, you know, like, what happened while it was a mill, and then right. all the time in between, and, you know, who knows, you know, and then it being like punk a... Punk show yeah, skate yeah. park. Punk yeah. spot, like, late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s and stuff, Hell you yeah. know. It was called the Broasis. <laughs> okay, um, awesome. <laughs> my friend David, who had a screen printing business in that space at like the far end of the building, yeah, he I guess did some digging around and found out, and actually found some some flyers um, from shows, like some some flyers and some like super grainy MySpace pictures from shows that they did there um, that actually had the address on the flyer. So we know that it was you know it was at that spot and found pictures where you could see exactly like where it was. It was I like pretty. Your, your, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're you're saying you're like a historian too. You know. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. See, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you dusted it off. Historian. Of, yeah. Yes, we've carbon dated this document back to 2002. <laughs> Here, let me see if I can find those. Take a look. <laughs> So. I'll read off some of the names, see if there's any of the Baltimore scene elders may may recognize some of the names <laughs> of these bands. I had just moved to Baltimore, and this was like 2003, 2004 when these flyers were from, so oh, wow. I was still kind of new in town at that point. Yeah, so it was at the Broasis, was what it was called, formerly known as the Concrete Jungle. Uh, there was a show, Sunday, September 21st, 2003, The Aftermath, Never Enough, Bad Business, Crime Spree, and The Spark. The info line was Mike at headcold.net. Nice. And then another one that he found, uh, Saturday, June 12, 2004, uh, Kill Your Idols, Never Enough, The Spark, Forward to Death, Crime and Stereo, and Downside Risk. So, pretty sick flyers. Hell yeah. I want to say I've heard Kill Your Idols before, maybe, and then I feel like the uh, there was another one on the first thing that I thought I heard before, but we're also talking about like 18, 19 plus Tw years 20 ago. now, yeah. Well, yeah, well, September, uh, yeah. September uh, 20, 2003, so yeah, we're getting there, almost. Um, it's wild. Way back so, when. All at the time of my, I don't <laughs> That bridge well, farm started, remembers. Yeah. <laughs> before color, 
We had punk shows in black and white <laughs> at the old mills. Before the internet. Yeah. <laughs> when people actually yeah, had yeah. to leave the house. <laughs> you used to have to start your internet with a crank. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah, man, the, like, you know, you, you become part of the history of that building. and the Yeah, of, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and, and so the rumor is it's now maybe owned by Hopkins. and who It knows? was supposed to be, but I, I it was, um, I mean, they were the... The buyer that was lined up, um, but I've heard from other people that I guess have some knowledge of what's going on because I haven't talked to the landlord or anything. Was that maybe something fell through, which is you know kind of funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, regardless, I'm so you know like like uh, sure. I said, I'm still glad it happened. I'm glad yeah, to be yeah. where where I'm at now. But just kind of it also just kind of sad because now it's like the building's just like empty and I feel like kind of lonely. Uh-huh. You know, like. It was very active. There were people there, and it was, you know, like, a, you know, like good energy. And now yeah, I'm just yeah. like, man, the building just like there's yeah. nobody in there anymore. It's like the last episode of Cheers. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like, like it's all gone. It's, They're just yeah, like it's all deserted off. and things. So, you know, <laughs> some stuff left behind. It's, you know, yeah. the couch on the first floor is probably uh-huh. still there because I didn't take it. When I was working at North Avenue Market, they yeah. showed me the wind-up space. Oh yeah, and I had those vibes too because it's just yeah. like all the parties, all the crazy times that happened in that box, and it's just like sitting there i know empty you know it's a bummer but yeah it's you know it is wild that it's still like in there you know it's really not gone it's just not being utilized yeah and it's you know and i think i think to a certain degree like the energy kind of remains in a space like that it just kind of depends on kind of what happens sure you know and like what you know if anything happens if nothing happens just kind of weird to think of something like that just like sitting dormant but unfortunately, that's the reality in, you know, commercial real estate. Yeah. Well, I've particularly heard that that building is, like, weird as far as, like, rent and stuff goes. I yeah. It's I always seemed to be difficult. I don't know, know the details, but I, I've just heard, like, weird things about, like, you know, you're sort of stuck at a certain level of success. Otherwise, it's too expensive kind of thing. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough business regardless. And I think, I think to make it work with, you know, with having, like, a a venue slash bar, possibly restaurant, whatever. It's like the economics are so tough to make work in the best of circumstances. You've really got to have um, a landlord that's, you know, that's at least understanding, at least somewhat supportive. Like, yeah, like everybody's got to get paid, but at the same time, like, right. you know, if you're really trying to, you know, if you care about supporting the arts, especially if they're like venues, you know, like another bar is different, but like, I think to me at least like, spaces that are trying to promote music and, you know, promote the arts and live entertainment and just more than just, like, another watering hole. Like, that's fine. If you right. just want to go drink somewhere and listen to uh, the jukebox, cool, go do that, you know? <laughs> sure. There's plenty of places to do that. Yeah. You know, no problem with it, but it's also nice to have mm-hmm. spaces where you can have, you know, performance of all kind. Sure. You know, visual art, all kinds of stuff. Something more engaging, especially, you know, it's supposed to be an arts district. Let's have some arts here. Yeah. In, in I the, think, uh, uh, you know... Adjacent I, Station North, wherever well, we are now. <laughs> Yeah, I think people do want to support the arts, but when you're the guy looking at the bills that come in, you also go like, (laughs) this is great, but where the fuck is everybody? Yeah. You know? (laughs) So you start asking those questions, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's tough. tough. Yeah. and It's very tough. So when you started to actually look for a new spot, uh, how long did it take to end up actually landing here? How many spaces did you see? It was a lot of just looking around and emailing and calling online and also just realizing that I could find some things that were cheap enough, you know, like by the square foot. Mm. Pricing would work based on what I was paying at the other spot, but most of them were unfinished. 
you know, and so that I'd be looking at doing at least a partial or yeah. a full build out, you know, in terms of drywall, electrical, obviously all the finishing work, like yeah, a yeah. decent amount, a decent size investment. And I wouldn't mind signing, obviously, like a long lease for something like that if I had to. But it's, you know, to a certain degree, you do have to because if you have to put twenty or $30,000 into a build out like that, you've got to sign a long enough lease to guarantee that you're actually going to be there long enough to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on the landlord situation, you know, because it's totally legit for you could go into something that's in bad shape and is renting for 75 cents or a dollar a square foot, build it out and make it beautiful. And then when your lease is up, the landlord can reassess it and triple your rent, whatever, make it whatever based on your improvements that you paid for. And it's hundred percent legal. You know, so it's Damn. it's really, yeah, I mean, because it's just, it is what it is. You don't own the space. So whatever, you know, if you want to protect yourself, you have to sign like a 10-year lease or something because then at least you know, like, okay, if I put, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 into a build-out, I want to be here for 10 years and I know that. With a fixed rent, that, yeah. That, that, or, yeah, or, or, or like even if it goes up or whatever, at least it's like you know that you have some kind of guarantee because otherwise you spend that much money and the lease is up in two years and they kick you out or the rent mm-hmm. goes up. or the, I mean, there's so many bad things that I've heard plenty of stories from other people, other audio podcasts, things like that. I've just like stories about dealing yeah. with the landlord. Sure. And so I had some ideas and, you know, the problem is that there aren't a ton of like dedicated studio spaces, like larger you know, like a larger, like complexes, if you will, you know, versus in like obviously a, a larger music cities like New York, LA, Nashville or something, you can find like a built out studio space for rent. And yes, it may be expensive, but at least it's like you can go in there and it's designed for what you want. Sure. You know, and um, in Baltimore, it's like most of the studios are big enough just for the people that are there operating them, but it's not like larger complexes. I think there may have been, you know, more, more spaces like that. Uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. but there's just been, you know, just the same as like venues and other things, you know, there's just less and less space like that available. So um, I had some ideas of different things that might work and looked at a lot of different stuff and priced things out and, you know, just tried to figure out like, how can I possibly make this work? Right. Um, you know, because it's once you get used to having a certain amount of space, you know, having, you know, a nice size control room, a decent size tracking room, a nice storage booth, an isolation booth, great lounge. You know, the lounge was like the best, you know, like the studio yeah, setting, but yeah. the lounge was like what tied the last I place know, together. It felt like a diner, you know. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> nice booth nice, there yeah. and, you know, the kitchen and everything, a nice open space. Yeah. It was just comfortable. It was a great place to hang, yeah. you know. And that's, I guess, part of what I've realized. It was one of the great lessons from having that space is, yes, it's important to have obviously good gear and for everything to sound good and look good and whatever and blah 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 but like hey having a good lounge matters because mm-hmm. people need to be able to take a break they need to be able to you know relax and make a phone call have something to eat do whatever you yeah. know throw sure. a couple frisbees if they want to and yeah. you know just have or, you know like having that like dedicated space is just as important as like hey the tracking room sounds good right. or hey i've got the you know i've got a bunch of mics blah 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 well, you know like your the right, lounge is all that matters have a, maybe this doesn't happen with every uh band because you can schedule it out differently but when hair and teeth did our stuff you know we were all there for the whole day but we're multi-tracking so a lot of the times there's just one person recording at a time so you got the rest of us like, what the hell do we do? But like, it, instead of just sitting there in the control room twiddling our thumbs, we just get to sit at the, yeah, you can the mix lounge it up. and kind of hang out and yeah. or like go outside and whatever. So yeah, yeah, there was yeah, you're right. It is there's a, big, a nice variety there. Pro so for 
for that. I realized that that was important, and uh, yeah, I was just trying to find something where I could have that same kind of comfortable space of having a nice size control room, yeah. having, you know, ideally a larger tracking space than what I had at the previous spot, having a good lounge, and just having it, you know, just having it be comfortable for everybody, you sure. know, like both for me, because obviously I have to spend a lot of time here, but also for everybody that comes in, making it a comfortable working experience, but also comfortable just hang, you know, because that's, uh, I guess, the biggest thing that I've, you know, I've heard other people mention, other engineers, is that it's, you know, for you, it's just another day at the studio. You know, I'm here, I'm here five, six days a week, you know, but for your clients, that are coming in, it's like it's a more special thing. It's more of an event. They've prepared, they've put in the work, they've, mm -hmm. you know, they've done their preparation to be ready to come in. For them, it's more special. And so just always try right. to, you know, provide a, a service, but also be accommodating in the sense of like give people just a fun experience of like, hey, we're gonna work hard and get a lot done, but it's it's not gonna be a grind. It's a gonna, cool thing. You know, we're gonna yeah. laugh and you know. <laughs> I make some jokes and, and enjoy yeah. this process and not. Sure. And part of that is having the space to go chill when you need a break or just being able to relax. Like you said, you're overdubbing and, you know, they're working on solos so the drummer can go hang out and, you know, go get some Chinese food or something or, right. you know, listen to the radio or something. So it's nice to have that balance and, it help, you know, it's good for everybody. So, yeah, after checking out some different things, uh, the space where I've ended up here was something that I was already aware of, the part of the space that I have was uh, previously called Dream First Studios. Okay. A producer named Don Trunk was here for about five years, and he recently moved out of Baltimore. I guess uh, last year moved out of Baltimore. Okay. Um, and so he had been here for about five years, and there were other, I think, other people in this space and in different parts of the building at times. But he was the most recent person that was in here. And, you know, fortunately, just the timing worked out of, you know, the owner I've known for a few years, and it just worked out. Yeah. So... Did you hit him up or did he hit you up like, hey, I heard you might be looking for a space? Like, how did you actually end up kind of piecing together that you're like, oh, this might be something to check out? Yeah, it was um, just from my memory of seeing uh, some different parts of the building when I had been here initially, maybe like, I guess it was probably about five years ago, gotcha. uh, doing something unrelated. So you kind of, you inquired about maybe. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I. I wasn't exactly sure what my situation was going to be. And so I just kind of kept in touch sure. and just kind of yeah. as like a, you know, a feeler on things and just seeing, you know, kind of seeing what happens cool. both for me and also, also with the space here. And yeah, it just worked out well, you know, it was good timing and, yeah. um, you know, a few months in either direction, it might've ended up differently. So sure. I was glad that it worked out well. Yeah. No, that's, it, it is like crazy timing to be honest. From my perspective, the transition was very fast. It didn't seem like you actually like shut down for any extended period of time, you know? No, no, it was only, I guess, roughly two weeks. Yeah, that's like... Like, at, at, at the most, you, you know... You know, in the grand was, scheme of moving, though, that's insane, Oh, no, insane, yeah, it was, yeah. You know? I mean, it, it felt like forever. It <laughs> yeah. felt like, you know, to Yeah, because it was probably nonstop for that whole two weeks. It was nonstop, and just to not spend any time on the computer doing the regular stuff that I'm doing, recording, mixing, whatever, it felt super weird to not really be on the computer for two weeks in that sense gotcha. but yeah. yeah and just putting in insane days and just the moving stuff doing some like light duty renovation here more of like cosmetic stuff like painting touching up a little bit of drywall just like making it look sure. a little bit nicer yeah um just before i moved in with like you know doing all right. like the messy stuff and when you first saw the space did it feel like 
this is did you just kind of know when you first saw it like oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean i yeah just from my memory of it before and then coming back here and just also just knowing that don had been here for a couple of years working out of this space and doing serious work you know like not fucking around at all like he's a super serious producer very like fun guy and funny but also dead serious about what he does right and just to see what he did here and then even though it's like we work on totally different kinds of music he does mostly uh, hip-hop and r&b and a lot of songwriting cool and our production yeah you know it's not what i normally do but regardless it's like a studio is a studio you know and just kind of like the just seeing all the stuff that he was able to accomplish because like the first time that i was here was right around the time that he had moved in gotcha um back okay. it was like 20 i guess 2017 2018 something like that uh-huh. and then so just seeing like the progress that he made and just the work that he put in it's like well it's you know it's not like the room is the magic but it's like obviously like this space didn't hold him back he was able to take his career to uh the next level achieve his goals make stuff happen make moves you know um so it was just kind of inspiring to see that like hey it's possible like yeah the space looks nice but also like you know to see that somebody else had been here and been successful and was doing stuff and making moves was inspiring definitely cool you know and just even though it was going to be a lot of work and you know would have to you know a lot of time money and stuff to make it more fit more of what I'm doing um, regardless of just like hey like I can make stuff happen here there was just like that energy you know just working in a space that's like intentional like dedicated built to be a studio versus right. yeah. like doing things in like the DIY fashion there's nothing wrong with that at all you know like my previous space was already built out basically as is and I just adapted things to work for what was there versus being able to move here into a space that was built out like intended to be a studio with the right doors windows all that kind of stuff and just you know that just like like the intention of the space, you know, again, just that it was built for that. And then people have been here doing that work. Right. Even if it's, you know, regardless of style or genre or anything else, it's just the, that intent I think is, is important. So if you, if the way the studio is currently with everything set up, let's say it's at a hundred percent like running right now. Yeah. When you found it, was it like the space, I guess, cause obviously you had to bring the gear in, but was it like. 70% ready, 80% ready? Like, how much, like, fixing or how much tweaking was, did you think you have to It was to mostly do? cosmetic stuff. Yeah. It, it was me just being picky and just wanting, you know, to trying to fix the walls to look as nice and smooth as possible, painting everything. I have enough, I guess, background in doing work like that that even though I'm, I'm not super experienced with it, I don't, you know, I don't consider myself <laughs> a, a handyman by any means. I've right, done enough right. drywall and painting and stuff at times over the years cool. that just, yeah. just seeing stuff looking crappy and just, you know, just trying to make things look fresh and look new. And it wasn't so much of, you know, just wear and tear over time and just, you know, some things, just tidying up some edges and just making it look a little bit nicer. It's certainly not like the uh, Ritz or anything in here, but it looks good. (laughs) It does look good. It looks, it fits like a lot of, it. I feel like it feels very Baltimore. It feels very like... Like shabby chic. Creative, yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, (laughs) Shabby chic is a good way to kind of put it, but it's like, you can tell it's an old building. But at the same time, it's not. It's it's clean in here. It's nice and like you know. Yeah, I think this studio space was. Yeah, I mean the building itself is is maybe like a hundred years old. But I think this studio space here specifically was built out maybe ten years ago. Right. So it's still relatively new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, what's cool about this space, because we're talking about a building and we're talking about a place that was renovated to be a recording studio, but there's a freaking stage here. Like yeah. you know. Um, was the stage here before um, Don? Don. Don yeah. Drunk. Yeah. Yeah. So was the, yeah, the stage was already the stage here. was already here. Stage when was already Don here. moved in. So yeah. Do you guys know what this place was before Don moved in, or why there's a, a performance stage? 
here? You know? Yeah, I mean, it was built uh, just for shows. I think more just purely for live performance. And when and Wait, when was Do- this ever a venue? I don't think it was a traditional venue. Right, <laughs> I don't think traditional. It was a, yeah, I don't think it was a legal venue. I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think they've done shows here at times, but it hasn't been like super regular. Gotcha. And I I think it's always been done like pretty prudently in the sense of I found with most things are I mean at least here in the city that as long as you're not getting noise complaints or trying to sell alcohol, most of the time shows can just kind of be, you know, especially, you know, and I think the alcohol stuff even more so than like noise. Sure. Because that's the one thing that'll like get the police upset. I think, you know, like more yeah, so than Yeah, all that stuff. licensing stuff is... Yeah, is that. So I think, town, I think as yeah. long as you're careful and like mostly do pre-sale tickets for stuff and, and just don't sell booze, then I think you can get away with doing some stuff. But I'm not sure what was done here in the past exactly, but it's, I know the stage has been used at times. But yeah, I think it wasn't really being used regularly and... With the two studio spaces here on the second floor, you know, I guess are about 600 feet combined, like the control room and like the smaller tracking room, which I think is more ideal for, you know, obviously like vocals, you know, maybe like a single guitar amp or something, you know, acoustic guitar, maybe like a small acoustic group. It does have hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. So I think if you were doing like a duo trio or something like that of like uh, some kind of acoustic music, I think the smaller tracking room could uh, sound nice for that. That's cool. But I think the, the stage space, I think, has the best potential, especially for, you know, like if you're trying to do a live performance obviously but even just for doing like multi-track drums you know because like trying to record drums in a room that has eight foot ceilings is very challenging if the drums have any volume if you're doing something super quiet and kind of vibey you can kind of get away with that but if you're doing drums at anything resembling like normal drum volume yeah a room with eight foot ceilings made out of drywall is always going to be a bad time <laughs> you know and there's there's some things you can do to treat it and change that yeah. and mitigate it a little bit but it's like ideally you want to have something that's got more ceiling height you know, and that's the hardest thing to find as far as trying to find space that can work well for being a studio, especially if you're doing anything louder, is where do you find high ceilings? It's so hard. <laughs> it really is. So finding the space here with, like, I mean, I would guess it's uh, got to be 20-foot ceilings in that room. What would you say? I don't know. Yeah. At I least, mean, yeah. 15, I think at least 20, 20 maybe a little probably, bit more than that. Yeah. And that combined with, you know, and the stage itself is, I guess, about, it's probably maybe 15 by 20. Okay. I'd have to measure it. I'm not exactly sure. I should know. I feel ashamed for not knowing how large <laughs> the stage is. But I'd say roughly 15 by 20, maybe 23, something like that. So it's a pretty good size. And, and from doing that and putting in a bunch of acoustic treatment as well on the stage. We built right. a bunch of panels yeah. um, to put in there as well. It's like there's that plus putting down carpet as well on the stage, that plus 16 acoustic panels. Yeah. There's basically no slapback on the stage. Wow. It almost sounds kind of weird to hear, like if somebody's just playing drums on the stage, you're not hearing anything else, just to stand there and listen to it because like there's no you just you don't hear any reflections and it's almost kind of uncomfortable because almost anywhere else unless you're like outdoors on like a big stage at like a festival or something you never hear a drum set without some kind of reflection whether it's a recording or whether it's in a natural acoustic space and you're hearing it live you're always hearing something right you know but this is like it's so so dry that it's like you don't hear the weird like fluttery things you know and so you can have a really loud drum set out there 
and it still sounds really great and clear because you're not getting any kind of negative room effects because the sound immediately on the stage is being absorbed pretty well. And then if, if you put a mic in the back of the room, you can get more room sound for sure. Okay, um, yeah. Just doing some creative miking things. Like the space is there, you know, but I feel like it's easy to add that in post, add that with a room mic of some kind if you need that like squashed huge room sound. It's available, but you can get very tight controlled things on the stage or uh, be able to, you know, like if you're doing full band tracking and you're doing some stuff live, it'll sound better for that too and just kind of, you know, reduce some of the drum volume and just hopefully give you a, you know, cleaner sound. Nice. It's interesting because like, you know, this room looks like the tracking room, but you're kind of saying that the stage sort of is almost more ideal for most, like, Maybe not most, but like a lot of situations, the stage would actually be the better option. You know? Yeah, I would say for any kind of drum recording, you know, anything with drums plus anything else, you know, just depending on... Or like big uh, amps, exact, I guess. Too, yeah, big know. amps just because I just think it's more comfortable if you want, you know, if it's a big amp but you want to be in the room with it versus using just like a combo and like doing overdubs. Normally I'll put the amp in the other, like in the small tracking room just right. for some separation. And most people don't need to be right next to it unless you want to get some feedback. Right. Oh, then yeah, you've yeah. got to be next to the amp. Yeah. <laughs> well, Otherwise you might, you're, you're kind of stuck. get in there. So, Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it just varies, but it, it's more comfortable and I think it's... Uh, and it's also just kind of exploring, you know, as I'm here longer. I just think it kind of, it uh, puts you in a different headspace, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that, like, the, the mindset of, you know, being in the recording studio isn't necessarily a, a good or a bad thing. It just is what it is, and I think different people respond to that differently. Right. You know, and, you know, for people that are more experienced or more into that challenge, it, it's maybe more of, like, you know, it's more positive versus for someone who's less experienced or maybe gets more of, like, the red light syndrome at times, doing their thing, it can be more negative. So I feel like most studios are, you know, in general, it's a big generalization, are, you know, generally fairly clean, organized, things look nice, it's got, like, a certain appeal to it, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, like, it can feel a little bit clinical. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's not and that's <laughs> not good, you know, it just it just is what it is because that's the general aesthetic of how most people present their places. If you, you know, sure. just go around and look online, you can look at a thousand different studios, see what different people do. Yeah. And, you know, but just having something where it's kind of <laughs> a little bit less formal... I've been um, to, a, like, a studio um, that feels like the doctor's office version. It can feel like that <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and so I think, you know, and I feel like there's, uh, I think, a much better emphasis on, on vibe in a lot of places now versus maybe uh, in the past. And so, you know, you'll see a lot of, like, interesting things, funky things. So I think that's important, you know, just, like, make it feel more comfortable. You don't want it to feel, like, too too sterile and, and pretty and everything. So right. I feel like I feel like just, like, the psychological effect of, like, putting somebody on a stage may keep them more in their element, you know, because, you know, like I always say, like any time that a band's coming into the studio, depending on, you know, kind of what their format is, what kind of music they make, I just always try to figure out how to take them out of their element as as like the, the least amount possible. I'm trying to understand, like, what are their strengths right. and weaknesses as a band and as individuals and just yeah, figuring yeah. out how can I keep them the most in their <laughs> element of what, like, what makes this band good? Right. Like, why do I like this band? <laughs> why would I want to work with this band? What makes me interested about what they're doing? <laughs> and how do I not get in the way? How do I just let them do what they want to do normally? Which is, for most bands, it's like, as far as playing and performing, they're either in their rehearsal space 
Right. Which, which for most people was not that big and not, not luxurious. And it's kind of, you know, like it doesn't it resemble performance. Yeah. But even if it smells great, the problem is <laughs> for most spaces, great. they're smaller. You got every glade plugging in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually Prism not Trump. ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Air this place out. Yeah. Come on, man. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just hard because most rehearsal spaces are, are not that huge. So it can, you know, it's hard for bands to be as prepared for doing live shows because like you're not always able to set up the same way that you would set up at a gig like sure. hopefully you can yeah, yeah. but you know just trying to get in that headspace of rehearsing like you perform but yeah so, so uh, just trying to keep people in like in their most natural element and so yeah which was uh, going back to that was most you know for uh, most bands it's either rehearsing or performing right and if you're performing you're on a stage you know versus and that's something that people do more often. Or you're at Joe's. Yeah, or you're at Joe's yeah. Square and you're on the floor. But, you know, there's like, yeah. a, you know, there's like a dedicated performance space yeah, yeah. where, like, you walk up to that space and it's like, okay, this is, like, this is where we do the thing. You know, it's like the sacred space yeah. in a way. And so I think that versus, like, the feeling of, like, oh, I'm in the recording studio, I just think the alternative of having a space that doesn't feel or look like a studio at all that has, you know, that has lights and a big stage and curtains and everything else. Right. And, you know, and it happens to be wired up for 24 channels of audio as well. <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't feel like you're not in the same mindset. You know, there's like a big rug and couches and stuff and a window. And so it feels, it just doesn't, like the mindset, it's not, oh, I'm in a recording studio right now. I have to play perfectly. It's like, oh, I'm on a stage. I'm going to rock out. And it's not, I just think it may be a little bit disarming. You know, the... Cool. I yeah. think the results that I've had so far with the sessions that I've done just in the last couple of months, I've definitely felt more of that, you know? And yeah, so it's been interesting so far. And it's hard to believe it's really only been three months. Wow, since, yeah. yeah. I started moving at the end of January and, you know, basically was, yeah, was going, you know, like dealing with that transition process for about two weeks and then was up and running again and did my first session like the first week of February. Okay. So it was insane. I mean, it was a bunch of, it was a ton of super crazy long days. And also I, I just had a ton of help from a lot of other people to be perfectly clear. Like it was way too much work for any one person to try to attempt. And outside of just a ton of people helping me move stuff, doing the renovation stuff. Uh, my friend Ben, the drummer from the Wide Eye Lounge Cats was mm -hmm. kind of the project manager, overall manager um, <laughs> cool. of all that stuff yeah. and just helping to kind of lead the way on a lot of the renovation things. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it was great friend, great resource to help figure a lot of those things out um, as far as, you know, hanging a lot of the acoustic panels on the ceiling, you know, getting on the 20-foot ladder, doing that kind of stuff. Damn, yeah. He's cool with it. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get up there. You yeah. can do it. Yeah. Oh, if you if you but, think you want to, that's fine with me. I don't mean you know. Yeah, well, he's done it a lot at previous jobs, so he's you yeah, know yeah. he's totally comfortable with it, and that's the cool. most important thing about being on a ladder yeah. is you need to be you comfortable. You need to be comfortable, yeah. Because otherwise, you will be very uncomfortable <laughs> uh -huh. when you fall off of it. So that's one of my goals <laughs> when, in life yeah. is to not fall off of one. So I will. Yeah. I remember hanging someone else. for yeah. the, the bros. I got up on a ladder and like, you know, I'm like, and I did it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not qualified. And why, how did I get yeah. stuck with this job? Oh, yeah, because I'm the audio guy. Yeah. This guy right here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, no. You got to be careful. So, Very yeah. Cool. For the, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah. I had I had a lot of help with moving, with renovation, with all kinds of stuff. Getting the uh, control room set back up, kind of reorienting some things. Installing the new snake 
all the acoustic panels, was you know, ton of paint, et cetera, uh, et cetera. Yeah, um, you know, Tristan like, helped a lot, obviously. Okay. Um, Jesse and Ben were probably like the biggest helps, and also my dad helped uh, build some of the panels cool. as well. Yeah, he he started building some of them at home, and then brought some of the stuff here, and we finished them here. Yeah, which was cool. But yeah, it was just it was an insane process to try to you know, and also because I had a certain after being in one place for a long time, everything was like very well oiled and very well dialed in and so just trying to like recreate you know several years worth of like progress yeah and, like troubleshooting and, and all that and, kind of stuff yeah. and then having to like just do all of these different you know distill five years worth of work and all kinds of things and expectation of what i want things to be in the new space because yeah. it's you know it is better but but i also have to make it better and and kind of you know project that in a sense and right. figure out how do i how do i make this a step up because everybody that's come in here has been like hey we loved your last place it was great but this is incredible you know and so it's um it's been a nice like reassurance that For you sure. know it was worth yeah. uh, the toil to make it happen <laughs> and just to try to try to do it as quickly as possible <laughs> yeah just to you know just to maximize what's here and just to be able to you know take the next step sure with, you know with what's going to happen which is you know some things i know some things i don't it's who knows fucking magic man yeah. yeah ride the lightning big things yeah Big things uh, coming soon. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks, local bands. Yeah, yeah. Come hang out, local bands. Seriously, this place is amazing. I No, when I first saw a picture of the stage, I was like, where the hell did Garrett move? You know, I was, yeah. it was it was cool, man. So I'm, I'm glad it's all really, like, pieced together. And, um, oh, yeah, was there any weird technical challenges that you came across uh, as of yet? Like, stuff where, like, I wasn't expecting this or... Um, that's new, <laughs> you know. Did, this didn't happen before. Yeah. There is one of my monitors is occasionally picking up some RF interference. Okay. And I don't know what it's from. Interesting, um, I've yeah. tried some different troubleshooting things, and it doesn't happen consistently, but it also sometimes will happen when the monitor's not plugged into anything. So oh, it's like the monitor yeah. itself is picking up. It's not, I was like, oh, well, maybe the cable's bad, but I tested that. I know what happens sometimes. And I mean, I know that they were transported very carefully. It wasn't a very long move. It wasn't dropped or anything, but it's definitely picking up weird interference just on one <laughs> side, just on the left side. Just a new thing. So, yeah. Well, I've got to figure that out, but at least it's not all the time because I would go crazy. But sure. <laughs> you just get a nice little. <laughs> bzz, 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 bzz. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this place is haunted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> haunted by the ghosts of RF past. Yes. It's not a bad haunting. It's just like your normal Baltimore haunting, yeah. you know. So every what place in Baltimore isn't haunted really? That's like the thing. Yeah. I forget where I read this or where I saw this, but I think apparently Baltimore's a hub of like occult energy. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Also the Ouija board yes. was invented here. You know, before Milton Bradley, of all places, picked it up to distribute. <laughs> but either way, on oh, a spirit map, I don't know. Is that even what they're called? <laughs> spirit map. Know. Yeah. Baltimore is a spooky place. Yeah. That's what they say. You know, it's old. It's an old city. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of history here. It's one of the, you know, one of the older cities in the country. Yeah. So. It's so, just bound to have ghosts, right? Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for, like, modern ghosts. All of our ghosts are, like, turn of the century. Like, you know, they're wearing, yeah. like, suits and top hats and, like, <laughs> frilly dresses and stuff. I'm waiting for, like, 
you know, where, where's like the, the ghosts of like punk rockers and like, you know, yeah. ITs. Ghosts of, yeah, yeah like Just a guy like coding in the corner. Yeah. He's <laughs> just like, yeah, it's, that's Derek. <laughs> He's fine. Just don't pay him any mind. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, I guess time must go on. We'll see what kind of ghosts we get down the road. <laughs> oh, man. We're doing good. Um, I guess we should check in on the O's. Oh, they won. Excellent. O's beat the Rays. What's the final? Four to two. There so there was no more scoring at the end. And, yeah, we. Uh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I was terrified. Nice. Thought we were frauds for a second, but we're back, baby. <laughs> All right, yeah. So it's good. The Rays haven't even lost ten games yet, but we've given them one of their first they still ten. Still haven't even lost ten. Yeah. Really? Yep. I didn't think it was that. I mean, I know they won a bunch. I, th- I thought that they had lost. Nope. They are officially twenty-nine and eight now. <sighs> that um, is bonkers, right? So good for them. We are twenty-three and thirteen. That's also very exciting. But yeah. Orioles, uh, they did it again. <laughs> Hooray. Let's go. They stopped the skid. Yeah, they stopped the skid. Uh, Rutschman hit a home run. He was slumping, apparently, so that was, that's a good sign. Um, yeah. Other cool things uh, about the the Orioles. I did see the leaked City to Connect jersey that they're supposed to be getting in, like, the end of the month. Oh, okay, that's cool. And if if it is the actual leak, if the leak is accurate or if it's, like, officially the one, it's kind of, like, lackluster, but... You know, these, I don't know, it's whatever. That's all I had. That's my O's news. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. City Connect jerseys, uh, the leak is out, and uh, the leak is not impressed. Uh, it's upsetting how uh, uninteresting. The leak is weak. Yeah. <laughs> you got a weak leak, and uh, we seek. It's a uh, mid-leak. Yeah. <laughs> we need better attire for the O's. So honestly, I have some of the best uniforms in the damn Major League Baseball. If I do say so myself, and I do, so, uh, <laughs> hey, you know. Well, it's different, because I guess the Orioles and the Giants, I guess they're the only teams that use orange, like, as, like, a primary color. Like, like the Mets use some orange, but I don't think they have any predominantly Yeah, they're, like, blue uniforms. first. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, blue or gray was, like, some orange trim, I believe, uh-huh. most of the time. So, yeah. I, think, I think the Orioles and the Giants are the only teams that use primarily orange on Ast- some uniforms. Astros, would you say? I'm not sure if they still do. I mean, it, I mean, it's so different now because there's so like like there's so much interest in like uniform variations and throwback stuff and everything. Yeah. They wear so many different uniforms over the course the of the season. The colors don't even make sense anymore. I found there was some like, like random like there was like there's a uh, a bunch of like baseball uniform blogs, which is way too nerdy for me. <laughs> but it's funny just to see those people that are super obsessed with like yeah. this is everything that they're going to be wearing this year, and it's like this like and this variant and this trim, and this. Yeah. yeah, like the amount of detail is. I was I was pretty impressed with. Yeah. Well, these companies, I know about with NBA jerseys and stuff like that, like they, they're pretty meticulous with the detail and like, they'll be like, this color represents this era. Yeah, it's cool. And they'll do all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, um, on some level, because the organization is so big, I can only imagine it, it takes that level of detail to get something approved because it has to like touch all of like those emotional like aspects of the the people in charge to be like, "That, that feels like my team. I like this. Yeah. All right. So, um, but we'll see if, um, if what I saw is what I saw, then we're not going to be super stoked, but that's okay because they're still the O's. They're still kicking ass. And, um, 
yeah, we'll see. It could be a very fun summer for baseball fans here in Baltimore. <laughs> All right, so, um, Garrett, do you have anything else uh, you want to plug or share before we get out of here? Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's about time to wrap up. Uh, I guess nothing really in particular. Yeah, I mean, I've just been finishing up a few things recently, finishing up a four-song EP for uh, Rosetta's that's coming out later this month, um, and another album with the Wide-Eyed Lounge Cats. Cool. And um, yeah, recently I've done some sessions with Pocket Dog, Ragdolls, and uh, Catherine Savage. Cool. So all been good stuff. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, just been yeah staying busy with new things and uh, yeah playing you know trying to play as much as I can on my own. Sure. Yeah. With with us in different projects. So playing bass with Magic Item and mm-hmm. Peace Loving Death Ray. Cool. At the moment. Yeah. So, yeah Still you, playing drums at all? Uh, not at the moment. Not at okay. the moment. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to focus on bass, really. It's just, you know, I've, it's been tough. It's kind of nice to be a jack-of-all-trades, or it can seem like it's fun. But I guess I've just realized that I'm uh, just trying to focus on doing less different things, you know, doing less different gigs, and just trying to focus, you know, just most on playing, you know, one instrument for, for the most part, you know. I love playing drums. I'm never going to, like, quit playing, per se. But just the amount of work it takes to be a practice-focused drummer into playing a band and give it 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drumming requires a lot more maintenance, and I have a lot of respect for drums and drummers. And I just feel like it made more sense for me to focus on just playing bass and being the best bass player that I can be. And I feel like I'm more versatile on bass versus I feel like on drums. Gotcha. I'm good at just like a few things. I'm mm-hmm. not like a drummer's drummer. Sure. You know, yeah, like I'm, you I, know, I used like to play I drums in the same way where I'm like, I can yeah. do the thing, but I'm not yeah. like a. I mean, drummer. you know, I've got, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like I am, you know, because drums were my first instrument. Okay. I played them for a long time. Like, my sense of feel and pocket and time are pretty solid, but it's just maintaining the chops to be able to do certain things. It's just, it's a very physical instrument, and if you're not putting in the practice time, you're going to lose stuff, and you're not going to have the clarity and the fluidness to be able to play as well as you know you can, versus I feel like with other instruments, you don't, like, the drop-off isn't as hard, you know? And so sure. I just feel like it made sense with, you know, just kind of what my musical goals were as far as playing in bands, doing my own stuff, whatever. It just made the most sense to, you know, just focus on playing bass and, you know, and just working here and, and doing studio stuff and, cool. you know, still doing some live sounds, still working at The Crown and enjoying that and, you know, doing some other freelance stuff here and there, but... Mostly just working here and enjoying it. So I'm enjoying the new space and it's, just, um, um, you know, looking forward to what's what's coming next. It's cool, man. It's been, you know, senior growth has uh, been inspiring for years. And this just feels like a huge, like, jump in the awesome factor of, of you doing your thing and, and having the watermelon room. like Yeah, version 4.0, I guess, now at this point. Put it point. out there, yeah. So... All right. It's the the fourth watermelon. They say that's the lucky one, I guess, you know. <laughs> the, 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 the melon. The, the melon of fortune. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe that's the name of this episode. We'll see. Who knows? But um, The melon of fortune. Yeah. <laughs> melon of honor. It's like you crack it open yeah. and, and, there's like, and there's like money inside of it or something. Yeah, exactly. You know. You know, like the golden, you know, like, like, you know, like a, the like, goose with the golden egg. Like it's like a, the goose yeah. like a king and the cake. golden melon. Yeah. Like if you find a baby inside your melon, you, um, good luck for a year or something like that. So, um, well, cool. I think we did it. I think we did it. I think this is great. <laughs> All right, cool. Sweet. We're done. Uh,